XL, Charlotte Sports Live. Welcome and good morning, good night, whatever's going on at this hour for all you guys out there. Welcome inside Charlotte Sports Live. Here's Mike Massetta, I'm Will Kunkel, and this guy got so much in my ear about playing one-on-one -on, -one on ball on Tuesday, he actually skipped town, went on vacation, went to wrestling a thousand times without his family on a family trip and didn't come to basketball. I was gone. I would have come to basketball. And then when I'm playing over in Florida, sprained my wrist. However, now look at right, look at that. Perfect form. It's back. I'm he was wearing go. a wrist guard yesterday in the office because he was shooting so many J's that he hurt his wrist. Yes, but now it is healthy. There's nothing manlier than that. Thank you. Uh, hey, got some things to talk about besides my game. The South Carolina Gamecocks did show up to SEC Media Days in Nashville today. Expectations high, very high. Plus, we're going one-on-one -on -one with Kyle Larson, who's had a pretty good year on the track so far. But first, Mr. Kunkel, we got training camp to talk about. We're finally inside a week, six days until coaches, players, and CSF will be down in Spartanburg. We will be there, so will you. First practice is on the 26th, but we'll be there live from Wofford starting Sunday night, Mike. They got a lot of changes in the Panthers this offseason, from the coaching staff to a boatload of new players. And then there's one position group where change hasn't necessarily been a concern. Talking about the running backs. Enter Miles Sanders, exit Deonta Foreman, and of course Christian McCaffrey. He was gone halfway through last season. So this team is already used to change at that position, and they've handled it quite well. Foreman and Chuba Hubbard each had a handful of big performances last year after CMC was sent west. Sanders is now the go-to guy, and there is no question he is ready to go. No, it's, it's actually, you know, when it gets to this point, uh, time starts going by fast. So I, I'm about ready to, uh, you know, get, get ready to work, you know, and, yeah. and get this get this season on. I believe we can be as good as we as we put our minds to it. I mean, people will say we look good on paper um, or we got, you know, we got a lot of talent, a lot, lot of young talent, got some vets on the team too. But you really create a championship team between OTAs and, and training camp. Mike, a lot of talk about – a lot of talk this week about the value of the running back position. Panthers have seen success on both sides of this argument. So when CNC, CMC was healthy, he was dominant in Carolina. He was a true star. But so was the running back by committee after McCaffrey was traded. They had success. Foreman, Hubbard, and Blackshear all stepping up. Now, Miles Sanders steps in after a big year in Philly last season. The biggest thing I want to see from Miles Sanders is something you don't see on that screen receptions. Mm. He's got to catch the ball out of the backfield. He's got to be a double threat and he's got to be a three down back because that's what you paid him for. You gave him big money. He was the biggest signing of the offseason for the Panthers and the biggest running back signing in the offseason for the NFL. So he has got to come in and he's got to provide more than just a running threat. And he's got to stay healthy too because it's no coincidence that last year was a career year from highs and yards and touchdowns but that was the first year in two years he stayed healthy. Back in 2020, had hamstrings problems. The year before, in 2021, had hand injuries. When he's healthy, he's obviously very good. But obviously, there has been a little concern health-wise two of the last three years. I also want to see how he does without Jalen Hurts next to him in that RPO. Because a lot of misdirectional creates a lot of holes up front for a guy to slither through and get some touchdowns and some cheap yards. So this is going to be much more of a smash-mouth, run-the-football, north-and-south type of offense. But we got to move on. Yeah. In other news, the Washington Commanders have officially been sold. NFL owners voted unanimously Thursday to approve the team's sale from Dan Snyder to a group led by Philadelphia 76ers and New Jersey Devils owner Josh Harris. The Harris group is paying 
$6 billion for the franchise, which is a North American record across all sports. Yeah, you can't cut me off now. It's my read, Lionel Messi. He's the biggest star in the soccer world, but he has never played on artificial turf. That has raised the question on if he'll play in Charlotte on October 21st. Charlotte FC officials released a statement today saying the following, quote, all of our Major League Soccer matches are scheduled to be played on turf, and there is no plan to change to natural grass. Bank of America Stadium becomes the second of six turf-based MLS fields to publicly state they're not going to bring in grass when Messi visits their stadium. The other, of course, Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta. There is a precedent for grass being brought in for soccer matches, though, at Bank of America Stadium. Most recently, the Gold Cup had grass brought in as well as when Charlotte FC hosted Chelsea this past summer in a friend friendly. MLS Commissioner Don Garber said the six teams who play on turf will have the choice to change its playing surface. I mean, that's the crazy thing is Garber kind of put everybody on notice, Gabe, but it's officially talking season for college football. And the SEC wrapped up media day today in Nashville. Gabe, my boy, you're here. More on a team expected to do big things in the Carolinas. Who? Yeah, the South Carolina Gamecocks. That is who. We've heard from LSU, Bama, Georgia, and a few others, but now it's time to hear from Shane Beamer and the guys from Columbia, South Carolina. Of course, Coach Beamer brought along Spencer's quarterback, senior quarterback Spencer Rattler, defensive tackle Taka Hemingway, and special teams weapon and punter Kai Kroger. The Gamecocks exceeded expectations for a second straight year. Last season, they went 8-5 with huge wins over Tennessee and in-state rival Clemson towards the end of the regular season. This year, the Gamecocks have the toughest schedule, not just in the SEC, the entire country. But the Gamecocks are, look, are just looking to get better every day and, of course, take better care of the football this fall. Let's continue to be great, but how can we be even better? And we have, uh, and not, not just special teams. I mean, I've challenged everybody, myself, uh, nutrition, weight room, training room, you name it. Like, let's, how are we going to be better this year? That's definitely a main emphasis for this year is limiting turnovers. I mean, you can't win games with turnovers. Um, so I take total accountability for that. Uh, what I see on film is just sometimes me trying to do too much, trust in my arm too much, um, just trust, trust the play, trust the offense, and just uh, protect the ball. That's what it comes down to. So, of course, the end of Beamer's first season in South Carolina ended here in Charlotte with a win in the Mayo Bowl. They'll actually open the season here at the bank. They're taking on North Carolina, the team they beat in the Mayo Bowl. It's right here at Bank of America Stadium on September 2nd. Guys. All right, Gabe, my boy. High school football less than a month away already. Charlotte Christian is trying to make it back to the state championship, but underwent a lot of changes this offseason. Grace Grill has a preseason look at those nights. There's a quarterback battle going on at Charlotte Christian. Oh, it's wide open at this point. I think it's, it's, it's uh, you know, we've got a couple guys who are competing for it. And so, um, you know, every day it's, I tell those guys, I mean, every day of your life is a job interview. Chris James knows all about the job interview process as he was elevated this season from offensive coordinator to head coach. You know, Jason Eastep, who's the old head coach, is one of my best friends. And so um, it was kind of always the plan for me to be the head coach in waiting and didn't think it would happen as quickly as it did. But um, it's kind of, you know, how it all worked out. But, um, you know, definitely grateful for the opportunity. An opportunity that comes with great expectation. The bar is always high. And so, um, you know, our, our goal ultimately is to win a state championship every year. I and mean, it's, it's an expectation for us to, 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 to be in that, that final game and um, ultimately to win it. The Knights were in that final game last season but fell short of the title. And with a new head coach and an inexperienced to-be-named quarterback, there's one group that the Knights have really relied on. 
Um, right now, I just feel like our seniors are really stepping up and taking the role to lead the young guys and just elevate every, the whole team in general. Um, all of our seniors have taken it on themselves to just make sure the program keeps the winning tradition and make sure that when the younger guys come up, that they're ready to take the same role that we have taken this year. But even though they'll be young, it's a group the Knights are excited about. We'll be younger, but we'll be, uh, we're fast. And, and so, um, you know, we're not the biggest group. We're, we're fast and we play hard. And so we get a lot of guys that, that play hard, have a high motors and all that stuff. And so um, that's kind of the good thing about our, you know, us offensively is we're multiple. So we can do a lot of different things out of you know, whatever personnel groupings we have. And it's the personnel the Knights have on defense that's going to be even tougher to beat behind the duo of four-star Notre Dame commits Micah Gilbert and Bryce Young. We're going to go out and work. Uh, I'll compete the other team, outwork, out hustle, outrun, everything, out muscle. I'm really excited about the whole defense in general. We have so much energy, just so much togetherness when we're on the field, and I feel like we're going to shock a lot of people. Charlotte Christian opens up the season August 19th against Myers Park. For Charlotte Sports Live, I'm Grace Grill. All right, Grace, thank you. Kyle Larson and Shane Van Gisbergen, both winners and both known worldwide. We'll get Larson's thoughts on the latest development, though, with SVG in the NASCAR Cup Series. And who will be on the receiving end of Bryce Young this NFL season? A slew of wide receivers will be at training camp, but not all of them are going to make the cut. Mike, who's your favorite NASCAR driver? Oh, man, that's a tough question. i got to go Chase Elliott. Okay, well, this is about Justin Haley. You, you put me on the spot there. <laughs> Rick Ware raising announcing today that Haley has agreed to a multi-year deal to drive for the organization starting in 2024. Haley has uh, spent the last two seasons driving full-time for Collig Racing. Collig will now have an open seat in the 31. So, Mike, you can take that seat if you'd like. You don't seem like a man that goes above 55 in a 55. So. I actually go a little lower sometimes. That's it's better to be safe than sorry. Right. This week, though, it's all about Pocono, known for its unique little tri-oval shape, and it's a two-and-a-half-mile track. It can be found difficult. It can be a difficult track for drivers. It's like on 85 and 77. Yeah. And when it rains, I go even slower, by the way. But before we get into that issue with more with one of the Cup Series drivers, let's take a look at the Cup Series standings. 11 different winners so far with Martin Truex being the latest, he's getting hot at just the right time. But the race around the cutoff line is the most interesting part. 15 through 18, separated by just 22 points with six, oh my goodness, six races before right, the Josh. regular season. It's exciting. One guy doesn't have anything to worry about as far as making points. Kyle Larson, he is standing by with our own Carly Gephardt. All right, we're checking back in with the driver of the number five for Hendrick Motorsports. Yet again, Kyle Larson joining us. And Kyle, we're going to be talking about Pocono Raceway here in just a little bit. But before we get to that, I want to get to the news that broke a little bit last night. Shane Van Gisbergen coming back for another race this season. I just want to know, I mean, this guy came in, Chicago Street Course kind of took over there at the end. So how do you and the other drivers feel about this news? Uh, yeah, I saw that. Um... I don't know what track he's running. You know, hopefully, uh, the indie. I would imagine course. it's probably. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, yeah. No, he'll be. He's obviously really good. So, um, no, I'm excited about it. I think it's great for our sport. You know, I don't think, I don't think you can go up and down the garage and ask anybody else, and they would have a negative comment about it. You know, it's great to you have somebody come in and, and show their talent, and also, you know push us to all get better so um 
I look forward to hitting a racetrack with him again. Um, and, and, you know, who knows, potentially some other races uh, down the road with him as well. Can you pronounce his name or do you stick with the SVG like the rest of the, the, the NASCAR group? Uh, Shane Van Gisberg. I actually, I actually met That's him. That's pretty good. Um, yeah, I actually met him. You know, I, I race in New Zealand quite a bit you know, in the off seasons. And um, I met him probably eight years ago or so at Western Springs Speedway. So I, I've known about him even before I met him. I had known about him. So, um, you know, he races, you know, dirt stuff uh, as well. So um, it's cool to, it was, that, that's also why I was, you know, proud to see him win, you know, um, with all the different stuff that he runs. You know, he's kind of, I feel like a, in a way a version of, of me, but on the other side of the world, you know, where he races all sorts of different types of cars and, and he does a, a good job. Yeah, certainly a big name internationally. Let's get to Pocono Raceway, though. That's this weekend, and this is really an interesting track. A lot of unique turns in this one. But from your standpoint, what really makes this track so difficult? Uh, well, I think it is It's difficult. Sorry, it's really rough. We're driving. But um, it's really difficult because uh, it's just three different corners, you know, three different styles to get around, you know, each corner. Um you got a downshift, you got to time your downshifts, you can adjust your downshifts for how your balance is. Um, it usually gets strung out, so you got to execute as a team. Um, a lot of that comes down to fuel savings and shorter pit stops and just timing the cautions out right, getting lucky in, in a lot of ways. But um, I enjoy all that. You know, it's a different it's a different style of race than we're used to doing each week. And um I, I enjoy the difference that, that it brings to, to be competitive. Your last win was in Martinsville, but you did just win another silver, silver cup in the sprint car. I know that's kind of your thing to race during the week, but how much fun are you having? And it, what's your favorite type of racing? Is it sprint car or NASCAR or all the other things that you do outside of the sport? Honestly, I, I get that question all the time and, and I, it doesn't matter to me. Like I just love racing uh, all types of cars. Um, I like not being committed to one thing. I not I like you know having to to push myself and get better. So um, I wouldn't say that I have like a for sure favorite. You know, I just I I have favorite cars at, at different tracks and stuff. You know, like a Cup car at Bristol would be in my top three, and in a Sprint car at Knoxville would be in my top three as well. So. Um, yeah, I wouldn't say that I have like one specific favorite, but, um, no, the season's been really good this year. I've won a lot of races in the sprint car. We probably won half of our starts or so. And even the, even the cup stuff has been good this year. We've, we've won two points races, you know, a million bucks with the all-star race, which is yeah. great. And, um, just keep, keep working hard to, to try and you win some more, get some playoff points here before you go into the playoffs. Always good here from Kyle there. Before the U.S. women's national team, meanwhile, gets a chance at their third straight World Cup. They've got to get through Group E while overlooking any game on the schedule could be a detriment to their quest. Over less than 24 hours until the hunt for the three-peat begins, the U.S. women's national team kicks off its World Cup campaign against Vietnam at 9 p.m. tomorrow, and that's right here on Fox Charlotte, Queen City News. Now, Vietnam is one of eight nations making its women's World Cup debut, but longtime national team member Crystal Dunn isn't overlooking their game. In fact, she knows a new-look defense for the Stars and Stripes hasn't been truly tested just yet. 
for us, it's you know just being collective and being a unit and um, having each other's back. I think that's the incredible thing about the back line is that we are that last line of defense, and we know that you know we have to be even more spot on and even more deep uh, in focus when we, when it comes to us being on that field. Becky Sauerbrunn, the missing piece for the U.S. women. She injured her foot in training during camp just before the roster was announced. And it would have been her fourth appearance in a World Cup. Instead, Alana Cook will take her spot in the lineup. But it's time for the most informative two minutes and entertaining, of course, in all of sports. This is Quick Six, where no question is off the table. Let's go ahead and put two minutes on the clock. All right, Mike, you're up first. How many wide receivers will the Panthers keep on their roster after training camp? Well, average NFL team keeps about six to seven. I would say on the high end, you have Adam Thielen, who's injured. Uh, you also have some younger guys like Mingo. So I'll go eight. I'll go eight receivers. Eight, okay. All right, Will, you're up. Some leaks have Bryce Young's batting rating at a 74. Is that fair or foul? First, I need to do a Twitter search to see what fans are saying, because I'm sure that they are all hurt over <laughs> this. But it is fair. He is a rookie. has never played a game in the NFL. Being over 75, no way. Yeah, absolutely. Hopefully it'll grow at least some point during the season. All right, Mike, the Braves snapped a four-game losing streak today, but they're still struggling. So are the Yan and so are the Yankees. Who's in a worse situation right now? Braves are ten and a half games in first place. I would love to have those problems. Yankees are in last place. If you got that pad, I'll go Braves are in a better situation. Yankees are in a worse. What you got to say, Will Kunkel? Yankees are stuck. I thought you loved the Yankees. I do. That does not make them any better, though. Hey, okay. Keeping it short and sweet. All right, Will. Saquon Barkley is considering considering skipping the 2023 season due to running back's contracts. Will he or won't he skip this year? He will definitely not skip this season. He might miss a game, but I don't even think he'll do that. I don't think that's really in him. But having said that, you get the right or wrong people in your ear, like your agents, the people that are making the money off of you. You could, you know, be convinced to do anything, but I don't think yeah. he does. Yeah, I don't think he Yeah, the whole season is just a little too far fetched. All, right. All right, Mike, first round down at the open. Who's in the best position going into day two? Well, to borrow a phrase from the man next to me, my man, Wyndham Clark. I mean, the guy coming off a U.S. Open championship win, one here in Charlotte, three birdies, four birdies in the back nine. He's in good position at three under. I like him. Hey, hopefully he can get it done. All right, Will, last one. What is the best thing, absolute best thing about training camp at Spartanburg? I, I'll take a line from Christian McCaffrey from the same part about it's just about football. It's nothing else. It's all about football. We do Charlotte Sports Live every single night. Nobody, and I mean nobody, not the NFL Network. They don't do anything like we do. We put on the best work for the Panthers and the fans, bar none, and it ain't even close. And then spending all the time with all you guys and Carla, we have an absolute blast down there for what seems like a year and a half every single hey, year. Enough said. Go ahead and drop the mic. All right, that's going to do it for Quick 6. And Leaky Black is staying in the Carolinas. The former UNC forward signed a two-way contract with the Hornets. Is it worth the crown? It might be, but you can find out what gets our QC crowns coming up next on CSL. Get out your phone right now. Scan the QR code on your screen right now because I want you to download Charlotte Sports Live, the podcast. It goes up live every single night. Get it right, get it tight. And for those already listening on the podcast, Will is wearing a blue and orange sports coat with gray Air Jordans. I with the gray jacket and the black Air Jordans. So He's for right. all you people that are listening, wondering radio. what you're wearing. Hey, uh, I bet you're wondering what the QC crown is tonight, and Will Kunkel is going to tell you. All right, I'm going to give mine to Lane Kiffin because he is always willing to speak his mind. And at ACC Media Days today, he said college football is a disaster because of the lack of rules around NIL. So now we really have pay-for-play that 
the biggest schools with the most donors, most aggressive, and the school wants to spend the most money paying the players for for play to come to their school is where we're at. So there's kind of your state of the union on the situation of what all coaches are dealing with around the country. Layton also went on to say that he agrees with the idea of players getting paid, but it's an absolute mess in how they're doing it. I actually had lunch, I guess now at this point yesterday, with a, with a guy that's son is in the NBA, and he went through this process, and he's like, it's a disaster. Like, too yeah. many kids are making the wrong decisions for the short-term dollar and sacrificing their future. Not good. Thanks to all watching. Thanks to our live studio audience here tonight. Can I get an applause here real quick? Thank you. <laughs> good night. <laughs>